Hello and welcome to another episode of Drone Source, sponsored by Elsight. I'm Ben Gross, and I'd like to thank you for joining me and welcome you to our podcast. Let's get started. everyone welcome to another episode of drone source today with me is ramon roche the general manager of the drone code foundation the drone code foundation is a nonprofit organization under the linux foundation created to host open source software and hardware projects for drones ramon leads a thriving community of more than 10,000 developers and commercial adapters behind projects such as the px4 autopilot and mav sdk Ramon has been an active contributor to open source for more than a decade, working as an individual contributor and a community leader. He's been actively advocating for open standards and open source in the drone industry. Ramon is the host of the PX4 Developer Summit, a yearly event that brings hundreds of drone developers and roboticists together. In 2021, Ramon was awarded the Industry Impact Award by Airwards for his more than nine years of service to the drone industry. Some of Ramon's past projects include DroneKit, which was used to develop smart modes in drones and led to the massive success of the 3DR Solo by 3D Robotics. Ramon is an avid gamer and reader of sci-fi. He's been working remotely for the past decade based in Tijuana, Baja California, Mexico, where he lives with his family. So, wow, what an introduction, what a bio. Ramon, great to have you on board. How are you? Hey, Ben, it's great to have you, to be with you. Great. So why don't we start off very simply and tell me a little bit more about yourself, you know, what's not in the bio and tell me about your work with the Drone Code Foundation. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity to be with your audience. So um, I think that what's not really reflected there is how passionate I am about drones and robotics in general. Um, I think that... um, this is a technology that is uh, just getting started, and I know it's been like 20 years already, but um, we have not even reached a level of autonomy where we actually see sci-fi movies yet. So <laughs> I think we still have a lot of way to go. Um, and then also just um, expanding on the current technology trends and all the current opportunities. Um, I don't see a lot of those being taken. Uh, by players yet, and um, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities for growth overall across the board, and that's part of what Drunkhood is all about, uh, trying to take those opportunities into others' um, mindset. So I know it's hard to be on top of everything that's happening around the industry or an even ecosystem, not large robotics or the drone industry in general. So we try to help companies navigate those waters, at least on the technology front, on the open technologies. Um, we have um, Pixoc Open Hardware, PX4 Autopilot, uh, QGround Control, uh, the mission planning software, and also MapLink, which is the uh, a protocol that drones speak or any drone component to another drone component. And uh, we are also enabling ROS integrations now with uh, um, things to open robotics. And um, we just want to help companies 
get off the ground and building those prototypes and getting to production much faster. Um, because we see a lot of those missing opportunities and uh, we we see a lot of smart people out there and we just try to put those opportunities in front of them. Um, and th- that's exactly what um, I'm trying to do here. And um, I, I think I just start how passionate I am about this as well. <laughs> so let's go back to the beginning. What got you involved in open source in the first place? And what made you decide to take that involvement with open source and take it specifically to the world of drones? Yeah, it's a great question. So I, I, I've been working in drone space for the last 10 years, um, but even before that, I was already contributing to open source and uh, the other industry where I was working, which is in the cloud. And um, I was really fascinated by the fact that communities got created around open source projects because source code, code that was what I was really passionate about and having a community to express that and to work with to develop that code was what originally got me into open source but then I started seeing the other opportunities for actually creating uh, exploding opportunities thanks to that source code so you can build a company around that and then you can participate in a different way in that community around that open source project so uh, this is not a new format that we're creating at Drunkard. This is something that's already been implemented by the Linux Foundation uh, for more than a decade. And it's been successful in projects like the, uh, the Linux kernel. So it's we're not really here to reinvent the wheel. We're just bringing on the same concepts from really known stable vendors like the Linux Foundation. We're actually hosted within the Linux Foundation. We're a part of the Linux Foundation. And uh, they're helping us deliver this mission in the drone space. But going back, how did you decide to get involved with drones? Where were, did you play with drones when you were growing up? Where did this attraction and this uh, involvement come from? Well, it's actually, it was an opportunity. Um, I knew about drones because there was a local guy in my city in Tijuana that was making them here. And apparently he was a big deal. He was in photos, photo ops and in the media and uh, he got help from Chris Anderson and got um, really grew through the robotics as a company. And um, out of a friend, he, I got invited to work with them in the cloud. They were they had a web store. That's how I got involved with that company. And that's how I really started learning more about robotics and drones. That's where I got exposed to it. And then the fact that they were already using open source was uh, just <laughs> cherry on top, like I say. Um, so it, it everything connected, everything aligned. Like I, I guess I was really lucky that way. Um, so I it was definitely by chance that I stumbled upon the drone industry. And let's talk about once you've got your open source projects, you've got PX4, you've got Mav SDK, you've got the you mentioned Mavlink, uh, there's Pixhawk. All right. There's a bunch of different open source projects that you're working on. What was the initial reaction by the drone community when you started releasing these products for the drones? Were they very readily accepted? Was it hard for you to get people engaged with these new features, these new products? Yeah. So there's also, there's been a, very hard to describe relationship 
with uh, open source and the drone industry. So in some ways, the drone industry really got a boost by the DIY community, the hardware, the makers, um, which were at the time being revolutionized by Arduino, uh, which brought a new concept of building and and creating technology uh, communities around hardware as well. So that took us from a research drones to actually the first products being sold out there as like ready to fly kits for drones that you can purchase. Um, and that initial wave of makers uh, actually is what keep continues driving this industry. But at the same time, there was the other wing that didn't really uh, embrace open at all. And they're still on other closed platforms. And there's a lot of resistance from that wing into adapting to open technologies. But to be honest, what I've observed from this position is that it's mostly misguided and uh, there's a lot of mis uh, concepts that are not really coming across correctly. And that's some of the things that we uh, don't take for granted. So we do we try to do our work every day to try to address those. Um, and it's, it's, it's tough. Um, there's a lot of things out uh, there's a thing. Drawing this is really big and there's a lot of players so, and you can't like expect everyone to like you all the time. <laughs> so you have to navigate that. I've got a question, which is more technical and forgive me if I'm asking what may be a dumb question. All right. Now the autopilot. Mavlink, everything is open source. What are the options as far as security goes? Everything being open source, isn't it possible for a malicious actor to look at the code for the autopilot or for Mavlink and find a way to exploit it? It is a great example of a misconception. Uh, thank you for bringing this up. Um, and it's not my pleasure. Um, <laughs> it's like you pitched the ball. <laughs> Here's the home <laughs> Um, So it actually isn't exactly true. So yes, you you can actually inspect the source code and see if there's any um, things you can exploit. But honestly, it, when it comes to security and drones, uh, there's a lot of other things that you should be more concerned with. Um, but having more eyes on the source code is what actually makes it more secure and hardened. So a lot of companies that are already building with PX4 can all be uh, ignoring those security issues. So they're also contributing back some of those security patches back to PX4. And then um, you have um, community contributing to PX4 and trying to patch the security. Uh, but then, you know, um, the Actually, great example that I can give you is that you don't have the resources as a private company supporting a private source code to have as uh, that equal or match the open community. So there's a lot of companies that are already contributing and then already uh, releasing production projects and products with PX4. So uh, it's really naive to believe that um, it just because it's open, it's less secure. I would argue that is completely the opposite way. Um, you can't expect security by absolution. All right. 
I hear you again. Like I said, I may have been completely wrong and I guess I was. So thanks for that. Uh, my next question, can you tell me how exactly the PX4 autopilot works? Yeah. So the PX4 uh, autopilot in its core, it's a collection of different modules um, and we run on top of Apache Nautics. It's an RTOS, it's a real-time operating system running on embedded devices, uh, namely the Pixhawk, but there's other, also other uh, flight controllers from other vendors that where we also run on. Um, so in this heart, the modules are independent processes or demons within uh, the Apache Nautics RTOS. So, uh, what really sets the PX4 product apart is the messaging bus that actually connects those modules, uh, which is called UARP. So we actually publish and do a publish and subscribe uh, messaging uh, middleware that is actually connecting everything. But the really cool thing is that you can subscribe to exactly the notes that you want, the messages that you need for those any specific modules, and uh, you set the priority rate. So, like six, for example, if you're trying to create a new flight mode that um, I don't know, maybe reaches a certain point and stops, so you would subscribe to the estimator uh, position, and then that would give you uh, messages from a module that already pre-processed. Uh, any sensor location data and gave you the correct estimate of where the vehicle should be. So the, we have helpers to have modules and navigation components that um, already do most of the groundwork for you. And then you get to worry only about the uh, specific application you want to do. So that's really the power of the PX4 Autopod, where we give you the like 90% of the toolkit that you need to build uh, the application you're trying to hope for with drones. Um, and you worry about that 10% uh, by building it. So we don't like to release, we, so we don't say that we're releasing a full-fledged product, even though you can definitely go and flash it right now and, and go and have a successful flight. Rather, we see us as a development uh, platform for uh, drone vendors. Um, and that's been the concept of PX4, and that's what's been driving us. So we invest a lot of in architecture. And we invest a lot of on developer tools. And uh, it's been paying off because the community has been really appreciating the fact and uh, contributing back on a lot of those uh, operates and cost and features that we're, we keep releasing. Um, and then one other important fact is the community, like I was mentioning, uh, we have... So last year we had around 350 unique contributors to PX4 alone. Uh, and we have more than 70 open source repositories. Uh, provided only five of them might be as big as PX4, and, and then the rest are much, much smaller in scale. But we still, we have a very big and strong contribution base. And then as a user base, we're estimating, like you said, in my bio, it's like 10,000 developers that have worked directly with the source score, or let's say they treat PX4 as a black box and they use an API from uh, an ex externally machine computer, Linux machine computer to talk to PX4, either using ROS or Map SDK. So, for instance, if I'm using a SageTech module or another uh, detect and avoid module or anything of the sort, all right, as far as the development of the PX4 goes, is PX4 designed? to match with specific modules in mind? 
or is px4 out there and do you expect sage tech for instance to work their mod their modules so that they work with px4 what direction does this go in from px4 to the existing vendors or from the vendors to px4 i think it both it goes both ways and it's also part of what i do at tronco um to enable those those connections so uh, at the business level but on the technology side um we like to implement standards so there's a, there's a, a standard for messaging bus that's what we're going to be using so we use a lot of can drone can can um, like I said, mapping is one of those standards as well. But when it comes to like a sensor um, that you have to plug in, we we provide the correct I/O in our hardware, and uh, we connect that back to APIs in PX4 that uh, manufacturers can use to build the driver for their uh, devices or sensors. We don't having to actually modify anything internally themselves as long as they're implementing open standards are readily available for the uh, hardware industry, not specifically for drones. You mentioned earlier before we started talking that there's going to be a Pixhawk release being done uh, pretty much as soon as we finish recording. So can you go into some detail, tell us some more about the new Pixhawk? Yeah, definitely. Thank you for asking. Because like um, PX4, the software, um, is really done in a way that you need to have hardware that is capable of taking it to the next level. Um, and Pixhawk was uh, developed hand in hand with PX4 to run PX4. And the latest Pixhawks, uh, the flight controllers, um, the FMUB6X, FMUB6C open standards um, are bringing really great performance upgrades from previous generations. Um, so the previous one is the FMUB5X, and then before then it was a Pixhawk 4. Um, so, and, and by the way, I just want to quick throw, throw something out there. The Pixhawk 4 right now is currently still being used out there and preferred by a lot of people. And, um, the FMUV6X and MV6C would be the next generation. Um, the biggest advantage that I see to the 6X is the fact that uh, you can unlock a lot of that power that is on the SM32H7 uh, microcontroller um, that is powering the Pixhawk is that you have the Pixhawk Autopilot bus that is actually exposing all of that IO uh to a standard component so now you have a module and any vendor can create uh their baseboard and having this unlocks let's say a baseboard with an nvidia jetson computer uh where you can run machine learning or ai um for any uh, workflow application where you need to have that on the edge so now you have a robot capable to go out there and uh, and, uh, and take it the airspace and then you have a edge module um, processing unit, and then you unlock all of that things to the Pixhawk. Um, so we have a lot of new uh, I/O in there, like Ethernet. And um, yeah, we're just expecting the community to help us pick this up, pick the standards up, um, and implement more ways to unlock the FMUB6X and the 5X. Um, but we're also announcing that. A uh, couple of the companies that helped create this standard because I we I didn't create this alone. Um, in fact, there's 
close to 20 or more individuals from different companies that uh, really work on this project. And it's been months of work um, before we could call this completed. And uh, there's products out there already selling, uh, Holy Rove, FMBUV6, Pixoc 6X, CUAV, Pixoc V6X, uh, and we have uh, the Authorian Skynote. Um, and then we have the Arc Electronics, Arc V6X. And uh, companies uh, that are not selling Pixocs, but are creating their own vehicles based on Pixoc, which is also something that you could do next, now thanks to the standard. So it's not only a standard that hardware manufacturers can pick. This is something that, let's say you're a drone vendor and you are working on the latest generation of your vehicle. Uh, you can look into adopting the Pixoc V6X within your PCV so you can actually make your own module component for the whole vehicle. Um, so Sunflower Labs is doing that right now for the latest generation of, of their drone. Um, and you can find all that in the press release um, and specifically on the Drunko website on Drunko blog. You can see the article in there. When you mentioned that there are still many companies that are using Pixhawk 4, I assume that at some point, uh, Pixhawk, uh, earlier versions of Pixhawk will be deprecated. Does that work on a base fixed schedule or how does that work? You know, we still support the Pixoc 2.1 and the Pixoc uh, classics. Um, so I wouldn't worry about that if you're using a Pixoc 4. But the actual like the actual question answer is that we do not yet have uh, decided where we're going to cut the support from the previous generations. Um, and we're having that discussion right now with the community. And, uh, you know, it's been driven mostly right now because of the chip shortage and because of the fact that uh, the manufacturers can't um, continue manufacturing the older devices because they're using really common uh, parts by now. And those are the harder to find. So um, right now it's already happening by um, itself. Because just because of that, but we are forced to actually make a call right now because the capabilities that you can expect from modern PX4 might not fit in older devices. So that's what I actually is driving it from the technology perspective, from the development uh, perspective. So we we think that we're at a point where if PX4 doesn't feel like PX4 in an older hardware because we had to turn off a lot of the new features, then at that point uh, we should stop supporting that hardware because it it doesn't it's not it doesn't reflect PX4. All right, I hear what you're saying. Um, I'd like to finish up with a question that I ask all my guests on the show, and I feel that uh, you would have a really unique and interesting perspective on this question. So. From your work on the Drone Code Foundation, your work on the autopilot and the open source, I would love to hear your vision of the drone industry two, five, ten years from now. Where do you see things headed? Uh, there's going to be a lot of um, standards out there, uh, not necessarily ours, uh, and that is going to enable a lot of um, innovation in technology and the collaboration from the communities like from the drone industry, you're going to start seeing a lot more of that because that is actually what helping us move this along 
much, much faster. And uh, from the technology perspective, I see a lot more uh, complex workflows and those are necessarily being pushed more into the cloud. So you're going to continue to see way more uh, implementations where the drones become this replaceable node almost that um, you can expect it to fail after a certain point, but you already have the replacement. So it's like this ubiquitous uh, workflow in the workspace that is going to uh, require constant flow of these machines. That's where I see things going uh, as we continue to automate as uh, the process even works. Uh, and I'm not talking, in, uh, when I'm saying automating, I'm not talking about the drone industry itself, more about where the end users are, the customers are, the actual adopters, the pilots on the ground uh, who are running the operation. They are the ones that are actually going to help us push this forward. And as long as we continue to bring tools and uh, the proper resources to them to continue doing that, I think uh, things are going to continue moving at a great pace. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much. I want to thank you for joining me on this episode today. Yeah, thank you, Ben. It was great uh, having you uh, for a chat this morning. And I want to thank everyone for listening in on this episode, and I will catch you on the next episode of Drone Source. Thanks, everybody. This podcast is brought to you by Elsight. Elsight helps drone companies operate beyond the visual line of sight, overcome regulatory challenges, and scale business through integrated connectivity solutions. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in our next episode of Drone Source.